Absolutely. Well, another uh, uh, guest with wonderful traits uh, is our next guest. And, I, and, I'm, not, and I'm not just... The background is the woman you just had on the show, but... No, but you, you, you reach quite a large audience, Ron, so... Yeah, My Ron is... Just don't even come close to her, I'm sorry. We have a tendency of positioning Ron after individuals who are literally... <laughs> I feel well, totally inadequate. <laughs> uh, you have, you're extraordinary, but you do have big shoes to fill uh, after, after Jennifer. Ron, enterprise reporter for TechCrunch. Uh, he's been a freelance technology journalist since 1998. A frequent guest, one of our favorites on, on Disrupt TV. And I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm going to be seeing Ron in person next week in San Francisco. In, uh, in addition, uh, Ron is contributing editor to eContact magazine where he writes media redox columns, has helped launch and still runs a uh, uh, blog, uh, so, so, social media news. Socialmedianews.com. And uh, welcome to uh, Disrupt TV, Ron. Thanks. It's great to be here, as always. So, Hi, so what's on your mind? Oh yeah, go ahead, Alan, please. No, I was just, yeah, just going to welcome you as well, Ron. It's nice to have a, a friend on the show. Again, as someone who attends lots of conferences, you're one of the friendly faces that I get to see at all these events. We are, we are kind of in the heart of that conference season, are we not? This is sort of end of August through you know end of October is lots and lots of shows. You want to tell us what you've what you've been up to and, and what's happening out there in the tech crunch world? Well, I mean, I didn't go to Ignite this week. My, my, my uh, colleague, Frederick Vladenois, did go, but I did follow his, um, his coverage. And, you know, the big news coming out of Ignite, of course, was the, uh, that they got Adobe as a customer. And one of the things I find interesting about these kinds of big cloud infrastructure player announcements is, they always tend to shout them from the rooftops, right? Say, we've got a big win, <laughs> you know? And, and the reason for that partly is because, you know, everybody's chasing AWS, right? The, AWS has maybe a third of the market. Even Microsoft, with, as, as, uh, as, as well as they're doing, is still only around 10% of the market, and Google is probably half of that. So if you put Google and Microsoft together, you have less than half of what AWS has. So when Microsoft or Google get wins, they have to amplify them and they've been doing that. So the, the, the Adobe win was certainly a good, good win for them, whether it actually um, is at the expense of AWS or whether it's in addition to AWS isn't clear, but it was a big announcement for them from that show this week. And then of course they also went into their, uh, deeper into their, into their hybrid strategy and uh, that seems to be the way that Microsoft and many of the traditional players are positioning themselves in this cloud market, that AWS is the pure cloud player, and that they are the bridge between the old traditional world, and, and they being the, the competitors, are the bridge between the old traditional world and um, the new cloud world, and that with the idea that nobody's going to rip and replace here although some people are, actually. Uh, a food company just announced this week that they're going to go all in. I forget the name of the company. Hudson Foods, maybe? They're a huge, huge uh, food conglomerate. But um, they, there was a Wall Street Journal story this week that this company plans to go, you know, all of its, all of its cloud applications in the cloud by 
mid 2018. I mean, we're in the end of 2016, so that's pretty amazing. So, um, but but Microsoft's position and Oracle's position and just about every other, you know, Dell, Dell and EMC, why they went together is to try and capture this this huge market that they see bridging the gap between the old traditional data center and the uh, the newer cloud application. Okay. So, you know, Ron, you've mentioned lots of large organizations, Dell, EMC, Microsoft, there's Salesforce in the mix and Oracle. Each week, you know, especially as someone like you who's, you know, fully invested in this news, there's another partnership or another acquisition. What are your thoughts around the industry as a whole these days, the silos of three, five, ten years ago seem to be going away. There's, you know, always a new partnership, always a new acquisition. Why are all these big companies better friends today than they were a little while ago? Well, it's interesting, you know, they are and they aren't. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Satya Nadella was, was at uh, Dreamforce last year, and he talked about how it's incumbent upon large platforms to be able to work together because customers are demanding it, right? And that's, that's a clear that's clearly happening. But then, you know, you also have two companies, uh, you know, not just sales, not to just position it as sales for Microsoft, because it's everybody and everybody, but everybody is trying to still beat everybody. But at the same time, the cloud by its nature, I think is a lot more uh, intertwined. We're not, we're not looking at the kind of, uh, you know, proprietary humongous applications that we saw five and 10 years ago, where you know, using Oracle as an example, and I'm just using Oracle as an example, not 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 to, to pick on them in, in any way, but they they, you know, they they and Microsoft and, and all of them, they would go into a company and they would try to sell the whole stack. And of course, you can't blame them. That was that was a reasonable strategy for them. But the the the, the downside of that approach, the upside was it was easy for IT. They got everything from one vendor. They had one throat to throttle. They had you know one set of, you know, things to really understand well, and, and that worked. But it didn't work well for the users, and it didn't work well when it came to making things work together. So anything inside the company that needed to interact with that huge stack wasn't easy. It wasn't in the huge stack's best interest to make it easy, right? And I think one of the things that the cloud by its nature is doing is changing that whole dynamic. It's, a, it's, it's making it really, really easy. Everything is open. You know, there's open APIs on every one of these platforms. And, you know, any one of the vendors that you talk to, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the you know, Salesforce and, and Workday and Box and, you know, ServiceNow and, you know, you just go down the line. All of these companies have been built from the ground up as cloud companies. So they're going to be more naturally aligned with that kind of an approach. But, you know, even companies like, you know, that came later, you know, to the cloud game, Microsoft and Oracle and, you know, all of them. I'm, I, I, could, I could make a big long list here. Um, but they all are now talking in those same terms. Like, we have to be open. We have to link easily to other enterprise applications. We have to be able to work together. And, you know, it really came down to, uh, you know, this, this, this kind of... Um, consumerization of IT that started maybe three, four, five years ago, people started being able to go out into the world, get really good applications, and they're like, well, I'm using these really great applications 
on my laptop or on my cell phone, and now I can't use them at work. I'm using this big, clunky, awful piece of software at work. Why can't you make it work like this? And, and to make that happen and to make that transition, people had to start working together more, and I think that's really why you're starting to see that. Sure. You mentioned Workday. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had uh, uh, Anil Bushri, CEO of Workday, on Disrupt TV. And Anil talked about uh, pure cloud play versus what he referred to cloudish companies, <laughs> some, of <the laughs> <like> legacy, <laughs> some of the legacy vendors that are now embracing uh, or have recently embraced cloud. And what he talked about, he talked about the use of um, uh, machine learning and uh, data science at Workday, where the application and the platform can can um, uh, identify employees that are that are at risk of leaving the company. Uh, the platform, Workday platform, can guide career path and guide um, working with CHROs to better understand uh, digital personality of employees. And what he said was that you know you hire data scientists to work on these new algorithms machine learning, deep learning, and, 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 and smart data discovery, and, 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 and data sciences uh, discipline. And for them to keep up with innovation velocity, the direction and speed of innovation, if you don't have a uniform cloud and you have on-premise, highly customizable solutions, it's, almost, it's nearly impossible to keep pace with innovation, especially with new emerging technologies. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think that ultimately that, you know, for companies to be able to take advantage of, of advanced analytics, those that embrace cl the cloud have, have a distinct advantage? Well, I mean, I think it depends on, you know, a lot of factors that I may not understand. You know, the data science is a, is a highly complex study, and I'm certainly not an expert on that. But from what I've seen and what I've observed, you know, obviously being not tied to these legacy kinds of um, applications makes you more nimble and more agile and more able to take advantage of whatever new technology comes down the road. Now, it's not impossible to be able to start to link some of those technologies back to the legacy applications. But I mean, you know, some of them, I mean, you go inside old insurance companies, uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen this, you know, you you got old COBOL programs running from the 60s still. You know, you got databases from the 70s. Um, you know, these things are, are really old technology. And, you know, how do you, how do you begin to take advantage of all the new technology that's out there? You talked about machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I know your, your company is making a big push towards that. But, um, you know, everybody is. And it's just become the, you know, in some ways it's a buzzword, but in some ways it's also... It's, it's a fact. It's, it's like machine learning and artificial intelligence are going to have a huge impact on all of technology as we move forward. And we're going to get better and better at it. And it's going to become, you know, instead of just being this kind of, you know, stuff for data scientists, which we were just talking about, you, you and I aren't data scientists. Alan's not a data scientist as far as I know. Alan, <laughs> maybe. It's, it's a part-time job. <laughs> You may play one on TV, <laughs> um, oh, exactly. But, but you know how are how are the um, how are these companies going to you know put this within reach of the average user and make make uh, it relevant to to their jobs? I, I wrote actually a, a piece a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago now. Time is passing, but um, I read an article 
in, in, in the Boston Globe about, about baseball. It was a baseball article, and, and Tony Clark, who's the head of the MLBPA, the Players Association, was talking about the amount of data that is available to baseball players today. And he said, you know, basically, oh, there's my phone. And I knew that was going to happen. Um, they, now my That's phone the is calling. Not talking now. But to continue the story, even with the phone going in the background, this is live TV, folks. Um, yeah. Is is that you know? He said, you know, they give us so so much information, but what good does it do me to know that you know this guy is most likely to throw this on this day in daylight? You know, in, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon. He said. That's too much detail for me to understand. He said, what I need when I go up to the, to the plate to hit, or if I'm on the mound as a pitcher, I need a plan. And I need a very compact plan that I can go into the batter's box with and understand how I'm going to hit. And that's how the data can help. And I, I, I took that statement. I kind of, I, 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 I applied it to the world at large. Like, what about workers? You know, <laughs> workers need a plan too. And you can throw a world of data at them, but if you don't give them the data that they need to do their jobs and shut out the noise, and there's so much noise in all this data, you know, you know minute details about everything, but those minute details are not necessarily going to help you to do your job. So the question is, how do we get this kind of technology, whether it's, you know, your question was about, can it apply to, to, to um, legacy technology, whether it's that legacy technology, or whether it's, you know, the cloud technology. That either way, uh, you know, how do you, how do we use those kinds of technologies to to make people's work lives work more efficiently and do things that the machine can do better? You know, to augment the human. And I mean, I think that's what it's all going to come down to, regardless of whether it's legacy or whether it's cloud. It's like, how do we use artificial intelligence, machine learning, I mean, they, they seem to be interchangeable and I know they're not, but um, how, do, how, do we, how do we use those, those technologies to, to augment what we do as humans and, and, and use the smarts of the machine, the things that, I mean, we can't possibly think that quickly, right? That's, that's not the way human brains work. We're, we are only able to keep that little bit of information that Tony Clark talked about when, you know, when we go in the batter's box, whether it's, you know, speaking in a situation like this or, or uh, you, know, you know, doing our jobs at our computers, whatever it is, the computer can help us because the computer is so much faster than us. But, you know, but then we can bring our creativity and our intelligence and our, our, our skills to bear upon that with the, with the computer as a partner. And I, and I think that if we can get to that point where we're using, you know, technology in that way, and I think we're still a ways from that, we're trying to get there. But if we do get to that point, um, then we're going to be using um, computers. And it's, you know, people talk about replacing jobs. And I think it will replace some mundane jobs. It'll, be, it'll replace jobs that, that a lot of people don't want to do anyway, you know. And, but I don't think it will replace humans, you know. And, and if it does, it's like a long way away from that ever happening. And, sure. you know, certainly not in our lifetimes. And, and sure. probably not in our children's lifetimes. So, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's really about augmenting human intelligence, not, not replacing humans in whatever we do. Right. Right. My, uh, my colleague Peter, Peter Schwartz wrote a piece uh, 
targeted sales professionals. And in the post, it said, salespeople don't have to worry about being replaced by robots. They have to be worried about being replaced by other salespeople who use augmented intelligence. Uh, so so it's, uh, I think it was wise advice. Where are you going to spend the next uh, couple of weeks, uh, October, November, Ron? Where are you going to be? Um, well, so uh, next week I'm at Dreamforce. Um, so, so I'll be back in San Francisco for that. Um, that's, a, that's obviously a huge conference. It, it takes over the city. It's, it's just unbelievable. I've never been to anything like it, I can say that. <laughs> um, and um, then after that, um, I'm going to try and make it to, to, uh, to, to uh, Constellation's thing, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to because in the first week of November, I'm going to uh, a Web Summit in Lisbon. So I'm going to, and I'm going to moderate a couple of panels there, uh, enterprise panels on their enterprise stage. So that's what's next for me in my, in my travel life. All right. That's <laughs> well, well, Ron, you've, you've covered a lot of territory here. We really appreciate it. You know, talked about the cloud and the, the battle that's going on with the enterprise brands and even some of the small guys that are involved there. Uh, hybrid is not a thing of the past. It's actually very much our present. Lots of companies still sort of on that mixed environment. And then we, you know, brought that into the world of AI, uh, very, very near and dear to my research area. So I appreciate, you know, all of the things you talked about. I think it, you echoed a lot of my, my research reports. So uh, I appreciate that. And as Vala said, I think we're going to be seeing you at a, a few upcoming events. We'll probably touch next week at Salesforce's Dreamforce event. If the two of us can see each other in the 170,000 people, that would be great. Yeah, so, I would like that. We'll, we'll do what we can. And as always, you know, everybody looks forward to reading your articles. Do you want to tell people where to make sure to go to, to see your latest and greatest? And, uh, and then we'll say thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, which is um, at Ron underscore Miller. So, and I usually uh, uh, send my, you know, share my, my articles um, through that channel. And, you know, you can go on TechCrunch and, you know, you can, you can find me on there for sure on techrench.com. Awesome. All right. Jennifer was terrific and you crushed it, Ron. So thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> thank you. See you next week. Thank right, you, Ron. We'll Safe travels. All right. Bye bye. <laughs> so uh, now you see, Alan, why, you know, Fridays afternoons are our favorite time of the week for <laughs> Ray and I. Uh, so many people come on Disrupt TV and uh, drop science on us. And uh, it gives us plenty to think about as we go through the weekend and uh, as we blog. So let's uh, tell us, tell us, tell us, uh, by the way, you've been a fabulous co-host. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to let Ray know he's got to step up his game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been as interactive as I wanted. I've been polite. I've sat here quietly, which for those of you out there that know me, this is the longest I've ever sat quiet. So, so now this is your time. Tell us about your research. Tell us about, tell us about areas that you're focusing. You know, we've, we've, as you mentioned, conference season is absolutely white hot. Uh, it started in August and it's going to go throughout October. And uh, so tell, tell us about yourself, please. Sure. So for those of you that are watching, thank you very much. As, as Vala said, you know, we are in the heart of conference season. So over the last few weeks, you know, all of the major software vendors, VM, 
you know, VMworld took place, Boxworks, there was um, Oracle Open World, Microsoft Ignite, next week is Salesforce Dreamforce, after that we have IBM World of Watson, and, and following that, you know, IBM, or, uh, Constellation's own event, um, Enterprise connect, or Connected Enterprise, sorry, they all blur together. Uh, and for me, it's a really, really interesting time. Now, I focus on sort of the collaboration aspects of what people are doing, so the end user side. There's huge elements that are going on in the infrastructure side, what's taking place in cloud, what's taking place in security, what's taking place in blockchain, IoT, all of these things. My focus is how do all of these tools affect the, the end user? So, you know, we've all, lived and complained about and are still living in, you know, an email-centric world. We've been promised collaboration tools and social tools. We've been promised customer experience and employee experience. Well, where do we stand with all of these things is sort of what I'm really looking at. And over the last about two years and sort of culminating in every event right now, as Ron, you know, our previous guest mentioned, everybody wants to talk about artificial intelligence. And so for me, what I try to do is bring that to the level of the end user. Is it artificial intelligence? Is it machine learning? Is it deep learning? Is it neural nets? Cognitive? Nobody cares about that as a regular everyday employee. What employees care about is getting their job done more efficiently, more effectively, more accurately, you know, all of those things. And that's where I think that this AI-assisted world is going to impact the biggest change we've seen in employee-facing software in decades. And I know that sounds so buzzword compliant, but if you think about it, what have we done over the last decade or two? We've moved to the cloud, great, wonderful, stuff is not stored on our machines, it's easily accessible from anywhere, but we haven't changed the way we work. We use the same tools, the data is just stored elsewhere. We have mobile devices, it's fantastic, anytime, anywhere access, cameras, GPS built into these things. So it's enhanced the way we work. But this new era of AI-assisted software, and that's what I'm actually calling it, I'm calling it assisted collaboration, has the potential to really change the way we do our jobs. Whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in finance, whether you're an IT administrator that has to do threat detection on your network, you know. This is the first set of tools that are really going to hopefully surface information to you in brand new ways. Discover patterns, make suggestions, eventually one day actually take actions for you. And you know, Vala, to me, that's exciting. Like I, I, this isn't just like, hey, here's a new tool. For the most part, this is the same tools we use today, but they're gonna be better versions of them. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it does. I, you know, I, I think about, and this is again, I'll go back to what uh, Emil said when we asked him about the design methodology at Workday. And he said, we look at consumer apps, successful consumer apps, and we try to bring that design philosophy into how we design functionality in our platform. And you know, the fact that Netflix knows which episode in a series is the one that hooked you for that series. Uh, the fact that you have, you know, a, a virtual assistants or an Alexa that went from 35 commands last year to, I don't know, nearly 2,000 commands now. And, and, and so there, there is elements of increasing contextual intelligence uh, and, and use of um, 
with technologies and apps, whether you're in customer service, whether you're in sales or marketing. I think about, as you mentioned, I came from a B2B space, you know, where you had um, sometimes large number of personas that made up the buying decision team. You know, six, seven, eight, sometimes, depending on the size of the deal, it could be 10 different personas. And as a marketeer, you're trying to figure out what type of content you should deliver to the CFO who may be ROI-driven or the CIO who's trying to understand complexity for installation and adoption of features. Uh, and, or it could be uh, the chief revenue officer who's trying to link the investment thesis in IT or technology to business outcomes like growing revenue or managing EBITDA uh, and so on and so forth. So how do you, and you talk about the importance of the marketing and then the customer journey in marketing. You think about it, what happens when you have 10 personas on a single account, each have a different buying process map, and you as a vendor need to be able to, in auto, almost real time, deliver insight across multiple channels to the right audience and, and, and the right time. Automation and assistive intelligence is critically important for you to be able to do this because um, to, 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 to function with precision at scale, I don't see how companies can do it manually. It's just not possible. Well, so, and I, I, I'm, I'm so with you on that idea of that it's not just automation, it's that scalability and the pattern finding across multiple sets. I think too often we talk about individual uses of AI. How is AI going to impact a salesperson or how is AI gonna impact financial or how's AI gonna impact you know, marketing? What gets really interesting to me is when these tools will be able to do things that were next to impossible to do manually. It's not that they could do them faster. It's not that they can, you know, uh, you know, just help us with, you know, going home earlier. It's what new things can we achieve? And an example scenario I like to walk people through that spans across multiple tools is something as simple as file sharing with a customer. You know, the average employee uploads a file and they want to share it with someone. Okay, so how effective has that file been? Well, look, I can look at statistics about number of downloads and number of views. Eh, not really great. Kind of lets me know which one's more popular. But what if I could then map that data to where that file was uploaded, say, into a webinar? That data exists. Now I'm mapping a file system with a web conferencing system. Well, in that web conferencing system, I know the attendee names, right? Which companies? So what if I could map it to my CRM system? And then not only know in my CRM system who was in a webinar and what file they were looking at, but what about if it went from um, you know, prospect to customer stage? And if I could find out, like you said, which page of a presentation was looked at for the longest, all of a sudden I've combined customer data, webinar data, file sharing. I'm a marketing person. I created a deck. Was it effective? Did it lead to closing a sales deal? Those are very challenging things for people to do manually. I don't know too many people that export all of that data. You know, here are my file shares. Right, right. You know, where did the sales reps use them? How many webinars did they do, et cetera? And that's just that's a basic, basic example. You know, looking at things like pattern recognition and images for, you know, service accounts. Let me upload a picture of something that broke. And instead of someone trying to describe it and looking it up in a product catalog, what if my, my customer support tool 
automatically knew what that product was and could reorder the part for me. You know, it's it, there's just going to be some exciting changes, I think, in the way we work. Absolutely. And those are great examples. You just painted a scenario where each piece of content can potentially turn into a campaign, a lead, <laughs> a lead generation. Yeah. Uh, and, and how often do we share insights as that piece of content traverses from one system to another? And yeah. as someone who ran services for 10 years, you know, even in the, in the, in the pre-purchase process where customers, now we would sell data center solutions where you had to use configurators to design the chassis with the right switch and router and Wi-Fi access point and so on and so forth. Many times we would iterate back and forth with the schematic of the proposed network would be attached to an email and we would have to look at the schematic, try to identify the deltas defined by the partner or customer. Imagine a system, I mean, if Facebook has 98% facial recognition accuracy, with deep learning, you can look at the schematic, identify the delta, modify your CPQ system because it's well integrated into your CRM. You have a new code that's generated. You chat to or use social channels to inform the partner, the prospect customer, and your solutions engineer or the field engineer who has to potentially install the technology. All of that is massive amounts of productivity gains. Massive. If you could well, just detect the delta. Even just accuracy. It's not, you know, productivity. Like think, you know, it's exciting. Extrapolate your story out to doctors to HVAC engineers, to architects, right. to contractors building things. Any, you know, you mentioned these visual sort of worlds where there's so much potential for human error, where hopefully the machines will be able to really, you know, dramatically change that. You know, I know we're, we're, we're running short on time here. I think, you know, we've, we've made such an important point about AI to bring it down to the level of what does it mean to, to employees? Let's not talk about, you know, on this show today, anyway, the architecture and the APIs and speed and, you know, how fast computers are and things like that. I, I hope that people today sort of leave with the idea of, oh, the software I use is going to be different. You know, whether it's Oracle's adaptive intelligent applications, whether it's Salesforce applications powered by Einstein, whether it's Microsoft, you know, powered with Bing and Cortana, IBM with, you know, their Watson powered applications, Google with, you know, their announcements yesterday around G Suite, you know. It, all of the major vendors are working on this now. And I legitimately tell people this. I'm excited about collaboration software again. I'm excited about employee-facing tools and customer experience and employee experience. And we are just at the tip of the iceberg. I think we've got an exciting one, three, five, ten years to go on this. Absolutely agree with you. For our audience who want to learn more about one of the world's uh, top experts in terms of future of work, you can follow Alan on Twitter at Alan Lippo, A-L. A-N-L-E-P-O. Alan, where else can our audience go to find your, your blogs and your research? Yeah, well, you can, you can find all my research on constellationr.com. You can look in our analyst section and uh, click on my name from, and find our research there. Uh, you can look at my personal website. A lot of information is mirrored there at alanlapofsky.com. You can see my name there at the bottom. And uh, yeah, you know, social media is certainly the best way to interact and ask me questions. Uh, and uh, I, I you know, really enjoy dealing with people and helping people out. You, know, you, you mentioned this theme, future of work. Um, you know, any way I can help impact the way vendors make software or the way customers use software, 
I, I'll feel good at the end of the day. Awesome. What are you going to cover in terms of your keynote at Constellation event? What, what's the topic that you're developing? Or is that, it's a month. <laughs> I know if it's me, I'm developing my slides on the flight to the event. Well, I'll, I'll give you a quick overview of my next my next three. I'm speaking at Salesforce Dreamforce next week with the Community Cloud team, talking about intelligence of Einstein in Community Cloud. I'm speaking at IBM World of Watson a week or so after that, talking about what IBM is doing about building collaborative intel intelligence into their collaborative applications, sort of the next generation of social networking and email and all of those things. And then at Constellation, we're going to wrap it up, you know wrap up my little tour here with sort of the third version of this talk that we've done over the last few years, we've been talking about how can software augment employees at work. And then this year we're going to have, you know, yet another panel about sort of augmenting employee productivity, efficiency, and not replacing humans. This isn't about robots taking factory worker jobs. This is about knowledge workers having access to information that they never had access to before. And uh, there's a lot of uh, exciting stuff coming out about it and uh, happy to share it. I look forward to uh, joining you at Half Moon Bay at Good. the Constellation Summit. And uh, thank you so much for being an amazing host. I'm, I'm starting. Welcome. I'm starting to feel like I need to up my game. So, <laughs> so, so you were you were terrific, and uh, I, we hope to have you again uh, on Disrupt TV. I think we found our uh, our our, our co-host here. So, if I can give Ray a break from time to time, <laughs> I'm happy to help. Thank you for watching. Absolutely, uh, and and let me let me let our audience know who's going to be here next week. So so next week we're at Dreamforce, and right. all of us are going to be consumed with this intimate 171,000 event that's going on. So we will not have uh, Disrupt TV scheduled um, for, for, for next week. Uh, also, at the end of October, we're going to be at the Constellation event. And we might do impromptu Disrupt TV periscopes uh, like we did at some of the other conferences. Obviously, we have extraordinary uh, uh, thought leaders at, at both conferences. On October 14th, we have Kari Anderson. Uh, who's the CEO of Say It Better uh, Center founder and, and, and Emmy Award winner. Kari Anderson will be joining us. We have Otto Burks, Chief Technology Officer at CA Technologies. And we look forward to having you join us on Disrupt TV in uh, two weeks. Thanks, everyone.